I think I made this podcast public. <laughs> I'm like fairly certain I set it to not private, so we are technically oh. live on my YouTube right now. Oh well. Oh my. Because my little cousin just messaged me and said, "Hey, you're I'm watching your podcast." Oh, I didn't realize that was a thing, but all right. <laughs> Hello, cousin. Hello, YouTube. Forever Classic Podcast, the show seeking enlightenment through video games, films, and other geek culture. I'm Alex McCumbers, and here with me each and every time we sit down to record this little masterpiece we call a podcast is Zachary Snyder. Hey guys, welcome back. So Zach, today we have two guests with us, which is kind of unusual for our show. Yeah. We have Joseph. Hello. And Devin. Howdy. So why don't you guys tell me a little bit about yourselves real quick, and then we'll talk about today's mystical fantasy statistical Disney-esque topic. So, Devin, why don't we start with you, man? My name is Devin Williams, and also known as Rackamdar on Twitch and YouTube and Twitter and stuffs. Basically, I play a lot of Smash Brothers on stream, and I have dabbled in a little bit of Kingdom Hearts speedrunning lately, and I just kind of work on my way to do whatever. A little bit of variety here or there. Which is definitely why we brought you on, because of that Kingdom Hearts connection. Because that's what we're talking about today is Kingdom Hearts 3. You bet. <laughs> cool. And then Joe. Hello, I'm Joe. You can also find me on YouTube at uh, youtube.com slash daddygamerreviews or on Twitch at daddygamerYT. I usually stream or have all my videos with my daughter, hence the moniker Daddy Gamer, and I approach a lot of my reviews from perspective of being a dad. It's uh, kind of a unique perspective because I realized that early on, after my daughter was born, that the way I played and viewed video games had changed and it wasn't something that people were talking about much when it came to discussing video games so using that unique approach that's kind of where things got started it's definitely something that has come up a lot here recently because i know you take that approach and then there's a couple other websites one's called super parents and then i think there's a podcast called the mommy gamers so there's a few parent groups like kind of exploring it there's a few things that have started and got kind of gone in that direction i am a bit older than most of those other in terms of like when i started they have just done it better and more consistently than me i'm also not the only daddy gamer but i am the only one that does like reviews the rest of them are basically upload let's play videos all right let's dive right into this guys i mean we're talking kingdom hearts 3 possibly one of the most anticipated releases across gaming in a lot of spaces and genres i mean this is something that's been a long time coming and with all the different spinoffs that have kind of built up to this this release feels monumental to me i would agree and to the point that I just saw Avengers Endgame and I had very similar feelings walking out of the theater than I did watching the end credits of Kingdom Hearts 3. Like, it's just like the end of an era and like the capstone to a story that I've been experiencing 
for such a long time. Right. This has been a very rich and like ending spring so far. For sure. There's been a lot of series. The whole year really is. With Kingdom Hearts 3, Avengers Endgame, Game of Thrones, and Star Wars all capping huge sagas of their stories. I know not all of them are technically over or done forever, but the saga, the story that they've been telling for these years is coming to a close. Right? I mean, honestly, if there's going to be another Kingdom Hearts game after this one, we're going to be like 40 before we see it, but... (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. I think that we'll get another spinoff within the next five years at least or some sort of continuation of something i mean they're running out of extra systems to put other side games on (laughs) i feel like with the positive reception they're a little more open to jumping harder into the series now that they've experienced how successful it can be i really hope so and just for some background i recently played through the entire series front to back starting in about january 15th and i think wrapping up i don't know probably the end of march is when i finished that series i believe on the ps4 specifically i mean i've played the other games prior to this but i went through all of them to kind of give myself more context and it definitely added to the overall experience of kingdom hearts 3 and gave me some sort of like kind of foundation to base off all the various changes in the combat and like the enemy design and all that it's been really fascinating for me to kind of watch how a series has evolved in such a short amount of time. Yeah, something I kind of wish I did before I started playing was play through the like the whole series again because I just kind of most of my experiences from back in the day playing Kingdom Hearts 2 without even like the final mix version. I just kind of jumped in without any of that knowledge. I watched like other people play them through a stream, so I knew the storyline, I knew the characters, and I, I still like really enjoyed that aspect of it. But gameplay wise, I would have liked to have that opportunity. It's a pretty fascinating project, and right now it's actually extremely affordable because you can get that collection on PS4 for, I think, 40 bucks is what I paid for it, and that's when it came out. I'm really glad they have that. Yeah, yeah. Like, that would have sucked so bad if they'd ever did anything like that (laughs) prior to this release. That's what I really like about Square Enix is they have a very good compassion and, like, the just wherewithal to re-release their titles. They kind of treat every release in Dragon Quest, Kingdom Hearts, Final Fantasy, they treat them all as kind of timeless, and they will constantly, like, revisit those and remaster them or port them, and it's really cool that Square Enix is just, like, always aware of its history. You mean Nintendo? I mean, Nintendo, they don't do nearly as well as (laughs) Square Enix Yeah, but they re-release every game on almost every system that comes out but at a much slower pace (laughs) let's trickle feed you nes games for 40 years i had picked up the kingdom hearts collection before they had added the 2.8 or whatever so i've been like playing that one for the last like two years getting ready for three because three got delayed so long i had kind of played through most of it before they delayed it for another year and then i finished two right before three came out and then i had also watched most of your playthrough of most of the collection because you were doing those late night streams and i was at work so it worked out yeah and you all convinced me to actually play through chain of memories which i was not enjoying for the most part but i'm kind of glad that i went through it because it was an interesting combat experiment yeah i think it was an an interesting story too yeah points it was fairly fascinating and it does have a lot of things that are really important to the overall series it was very sci-fi like twilight zone Just like this messing of how memories work and is it like the sacrifice of personal experience over pretty much anything else? Do you sacrifice your memories of events and friends 
to save those events and friends or not. I still think that the Game Boy Advance version is the way to play it because it's just a little more interesting and it's a little more concise. I mean, it's similar to playing a game that was meant for motion controls without the motion controls. Yeah. It was intended for a certain system and format and they tried to port it over. They did all right. The the Game Boy Advance version was really hard. <laughs> it just feels weird to move and like it's really tough to do some of it. But the I think the environments are a lot more suited for the Game Boy Advance because obviously like when it ported over to the PlayStation, all of a sudden you have like you have these big three-dimensional environments with nothing in them. And so it just kind of feels empty. Most of the worlds you go to just feel like filler and you kind of don't want to be there. You're just kind of hoping to get the story along. It's a lot of just going through the motions. Yeah. That sort of thing is what I noticed the most in my recent playthrough and then finishing with three was one, while the environments were smaller, felt populated. And then two, the environments were huge in comparison, but there was almost nothing in them. And then three, you know, you're skipping two generations of home consoles and everything was just so fleshed out so you you kind of had the best of both worlds because they had the technology to handle accomplishing both things large environments that had lots of stuff in them but i remember playing two and just like running through wide open spaces going i don't remember this being so empty all the time pride lands <laughs> and i think part of it was because i had just finished playing kingdom hearts one where even though the environments were smaller it had stuff in them and you had stuff to like jump on and interact with whereas like i said running around in two you're just running across huge empty areas filled with enemies now zach where where do you stand on playing like most of the series like what kind of background do you have to three i don't think i ever got through finishing everything up Uh, i did play all the way through the birth by sleeps which was great i was finally figuring out that story made me really happy and i did all that about the same time you were playing through it all i think we're kind of paralleling for a little bit for a while yeah i really enjoyed it like the whole thing seemed great i'm super super biased towards the story of this series though so everything i say is going to be mostly praise yeah because you've really taken more of a like lore hunters approach to kingdom hearts haven't you yeah and there's a lot. Do we all have history with this? Or, like, have we all been, like, longtime fans? I started probably soon after Kingdom Hearts 2 came out, is right when I got into it. I played it all from the start. Same. I've been with it since the very beginning. I'd be curious to see someone playing it new for the first time. Like, without that historical context whatsoever? Right. Because we kind of, growing up, like, I was 13 or 14 the f- when I played Kingdom Hearts and then 15, 16 when I played Kingdom Hearts 2 and then like as the side games came out playing them as I got older and now at 29, nearly 15 years later playing it and just getting that sense of satisfaction of a story well told. But without that history, would it have felt that fulfilling? The word that I would use rather than a story that's well told, I would say a story that's really aware of other things. (laughs) Because Kingdom Hearts is by no means, like, in a traditional sense of a narrative, something that I think can be held in high regard as even, like, a literature level. It's got really (laughs) good components, but it's kind of just nonsense. But the thing that it does is it's really aware of shit that happened in other games. Yeah, but to be fair, Ghostbusters and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are all mostly nonsense. And those are fantastic. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I think I think what Kingdom Hearts really excels at is their the character narratives. 
while the, the story comes off as nonsensical and a bunch of stuff happens, the character interactions is what really drove me to just kind of fall in love with everything. And that's exactly what's true for Ghostbusters and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, you're right. It's all about character interactions. And I'll say that with Kingdom Hearts, it is more interesting as interactions rather than being character studies. For example, like uh, Metal Gear Solid is really focused on Solid Snake and such because we don't really see character development or even really much of a personality until specific examples of games. Like I know Kyrie, even in this newest game, still doesn't have much of a personality. She's better. And Sora's definitely gotten way more interesting as being, like, a silly character that's still really determined. They did Kyrie dirty, I'm just gonna say it right now. Oh, for sure. <laughs> they built her up, and they just let her fell. Just like, alright, we're gonna see some awesomeness. Nope, we're gonna see nothing. Yeah. We're gonna see her sitting on a log yeah. for hey, 30 minutes. <laughs> that's some important log sitting. <laughs> I want that as DLC. Kyrie log sitting simulator. <laughs> I think you can make that in Gary's mod on your own. <laughs> Get Navarro on the phone! <laughs> now, along with all the uh, the games and stuff, have any of you all ever read any of the like, Kingdom Hearts manga that they did? Uh, that's the most disappointing manga purchase of my life. <laughs> I have not. I think I read one, because I checked it from the library a long time ago, and there must have been a reason I didn't check out more. I owned it for a long time and ended up giving it to somebody. I had the first collection of four of the first game, and I hear that these get better, you know, once more games are approached in manga, but, like, they went through worlds so fast. I'm talking within four pages had completely went from start to finish to through Olympus. That's disappointing. I can't remember. I know that I'd read it at one point or another, but that's sad. It's got some decent art, but ugh, it's not great at all. If for talking Kingdom Hearts 1, though, there wasn't that much to Olympus. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. it was literally, we're in Olympus, hey, Cloud, what's up? We beat the fucking doggy. Like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have any experience with uh, the manga. I didn't know there was a manga, so I, I just learned something new. Yeah, there's one, I believe, that they go through each game's iteration. And there's also, like, a prequel kind of thing for Kingdom Hearts 3 that they're getting ready to port over or that they're, they've got available somewhere. I just read an article about it. Yeah, you can read it for free right now. I've actually just went over it not long ago. Nice. It's all in Japanese, so I can't read what they're saying, but I know what they're saying because it's literally pain for pain, the prologue cutscene. Yeah. So I think as a game, this particular version of Kingdom Hearts 3 definitely makes me want to see, you know, what sort of additions they're going to add to it. We did just see Critical Mode. Devin's been playing a little bit of that, so we kind of have somebody to talk to about how Critical Mode is going. Yes. But there's also the upcoming, what they're calling Remind DLC, which was announced by Nomura during the Kingdom Hearts Orchestra recently. And supposedly based on a tweet that's kind of translated from this thing that happened in Japan, there's going to be the additional Remind scenario, there's going to be a limit episode episode and a boss, a secret episode and a boss, an English voice acting option, I guess, and then some anybody else who just owns the game are going to get a new Keyblade with a new form change. Yes. So regardless, I think we will be getting some pretty decent DLC stuff with Kingdom Hearts 3. I just really don't want them to take the Final Fantasy 15 approach because that DLC is like really hit and miss. Lots of cool ideas, poorly executed. Too far spread out too. I think a lot of people are kind of scared. A lot of people are fearful of the Final Fantasy treatment, but I, I think they'll at least do it pretty well. Well, I, I got faith. You gotta have a little bit of faith in your developer sometimes. Yeah, I'm interested to see what they're gonna do with it because they never have had the option to do DLC with any of the previous Kingdom Hearts. So I'm just glad it'll be DLC, and I don't actually have to buy a Final Mix version like two years later to get the DLC. Yeah, and we don't have to import it. That's nice. Yeah. So I have a question 
with a critical mode, if I can lead off with that for a second, just because I've been dying to know and I'll forget to ask it halfway through. Go for it. They added the three new skill sets, and one of which takes away the amusement park form charge. I can't remember how you call it. Attraction uh, commence. That's it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> have you been playing with that at all? Yeah, I played it. I have it uh, equipped so that the, all the attraction commands are currently off. There's a little bit of benefit from it because you, anytime that the like the command gauge fills up, it'll always guarantee you a transformation. So that's kind of like the trade-off is you're guaranteed to have a Keyblade transformation even if you're not always using attacks. I like it a lot. I think early game right now, I've noticed that there are some really hard fights without the, <laughs> without the attractions. Really? Uh, yeah. I think that after Twilight Town, it's a lot better, but Twilight Town and before, like, there's a couple of fights that are just like, I really wish I had them turned on, because these are really, really difficult right now. See, I thought it would be the other way around. Honestly, I thought all the attraction commands, while pretty cool, were completely useless as far as, like, fighting mechanics. I think the only thing that I made use of the entire time has been the carousel one, and that was just whenever the carousel would trigger, I was really happy because I always had trouble dealing with the ninjas. I had some disappointment in the attraction moves because they felt unearned like they just were there all the time from the beginning and you didn't really have to do anything to get them they just kind of happened pretty regularly it would have been more interesting to me is if each world had its own attraction to at least give it some variety but you have access to everything from the beginning it's it felt like and it just felt like there wasn't a sense of progression when it came to those moves that was kind of my feeling too is these moves just kind of pop up they're not really grounded in any sort of upgrade or boost in ability it's just sora can suddenly do this and there's very little explanation to why <laughs> sora can just summon a pirate ship that's not a <laughs> real pirate ship i forgot about that i i abused the pirate ship when i would get into close quarters with stuff but nine times out of ten i got splash run which i hated or i got blaster blaze which i hated splash run was one of my favorite because it always felt like they were having such a great time just <laughs> have a goof it off in the water and it was just like but at this this world is being swallowed by darkness time to enjoy this ride <laughs> teacups yeah i like the teacups Except for they couldn't jump. <laughs> they're all kind of silly and fun, but like they're visually impressive, which I think this game kind of has in spades. But out of one of the interviews after the game's release, there was actually a little bit of a secret about the attractions. If you click R3 or the right stick if you're on Xbox, while in particular attacks, you can actually go into a first person view, which is something they originally kind of designed them to be, but it got a lot of negative feedback because of motion sickness. <laughs> so they had to like use a mixture of some first person and third person so you know what's gonna happen we're gonna end up with kingdom hearts 3 vr oh no there's already a vr experience that i have downloaded i don't know what it is but it's there wow you came so unprepared you could have talked about that and now we're not i mean i'm sure it's just like some cutscene or something <laughs> <laughs> it would be fun to play i mean i'm interested to see some like really immersive type of vr like i was pretty excited with like the borderlands 2 vr and then the more i watched it played it was like you had to keep like dragging yourself along for your movement and that seemed really stupid. Here's what I'll say about VR. I think PlayStation is the most approachable right now because of the software is like really spot on and has that PlayStation quality that you don't necessarily see across the board. And uh, just a quick shout out too, I am playing a lot more PSVR because we recently just put out a video on Falcon Age and a review for Falcon Age. It's kind of our first real official review that was supported by getting a review code. So you can find that on foreverclassicgames.com. But VR, I think definitely has potential and I'm really excited that the PlayStation 5 or whatever 
they're going to call it. I mean, we can kind of assume that's what they're going to call it. It's going to support the PSVR headset that we currently have, which I think is a really, really cool option. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of a, a visual-based thing, right? So they wouldn't have to really upgrade software to play a new gen on it. I mean, I'm using PS3 Move controllers on mine. Those work, too. Oh, hey, that's nice. They're basically the same technology. The only thing I wish they would do is incorporate more of a gyroscope into those, kind of like you would see in the HTC Vive or the Oculus options. That way, when it's out of view of the camera, there's something to base it off of. I think that would be the next logical step. But Kingdom Hearts in VR, I think, would be really cool for a couple different scenarios. I think that getting into those mechs and Toy Stories world would be sick. Oh, <laughs> oh the VR mechs, that would, that's honestly sounds a really good idea. Yeah. Most of the other stuff, though, like, there's, like, storage is crazy in this game, so VR sounds pretty chaotic and even without the attractions potentially prone to motion sickness so i'm not sure how much i would desire to play the the game in vr it's true you you attack like twice and then all of a sudden you're doing four backflips and here's the interesting thought you all are taking this in kind of a vr as a fps kind of situation but some of the best performing vr games on the platform right now are moss and astrobot which are third person you stand back away from the action and take a look at the environment and control a character through that so i think that a small chapter using vr in that method where you control say mickey or something would be actually really cool especially if they did a way where you can kind of make the combat not nearly as complex as it is but still be kind of visually interesting from that perspective Hmm. wow way to think too much about it (laughs) that's my whole job we were trying to do bits and have fun, and then you came in and we're all like, "Well, actually, here's a real thing." All, all I know is I took from that Devin talking about is prone to motion sickness. Was like, man, what about like Kingdom Hearts two in VR? As much as you could press that triangle button and just dash around in so many different directions, just constantly. <laughs> you can play that one in first person. I did it. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Well, we all know you would just use the VR mode to check out everyone's butts. So. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much any video game ever at this point. If there's any sort of first-person mode and a character with their butt available, I'm going to go look at it. You could play the entire game from the Bioware angle. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I love how I have to mention the Bioware angle, and we all know immediately what I'm talking about, because no other game uses that angle. It's great. They specifically designed those butts. I'm telling you. Someone spent 100 hours on this ass. There's a reason Nier Automata performed really, really well, aside from the fact that it's just a really good game. (laughs) Yeah, the cosplay opportunities. Here's the main thing for me. I don't think that Kingdom Hearts 3 is perfect by any means. I think that there's a lot of kind of missteps from a pure design perspective in a couple different areas. But I will say that every criticism I have always falls back to, man, this game's really pretty. (laughs) Also, just while it has things that it could have done better or improved, I don't think I ever stopped having fun. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I could second that. I mean, I'm still playing it even with all those, so there's something fun about it. Right. And, you know, one thing I noticed about the people who are fans of Kingdom Hearts, like the culture that kind of surrounds it, is a pretty happy group of people. They know it's got issues. They know it's ridiculous. But that's why they love it. And they share that passion and love for something that's ridiculous. It's a franchise that's always been rooted in positivity and friendship and, like, being good. The characters don't have a ton of down moments. And when they do, they almost stand out even more because you're like, oh, they're not doing well, which is really weird because 90% of the time they're just happy-go-lucky. And this game in particular is really kind of resolving all those really sad moments that we've seen, like Aqua falling into the world of darkness, or Riku really struggling with the the darkness in his soul. All of it kind of has some sort of resolution, for the most part. 
resolving everything that happens in Birth by Sleep, because that game, no one wins. No. No, it's a tragedy, through and through. Yeah, honestly, it just kind of killed me inside to see some of the reactions to what was going on, like, when Sora, especially towards the end of the game, when Sora's, like, just, like, feeling the weight of all of the, the happenings, and I'm just like, man, I just, I want him to smile. I was really happy about that moment in the game, and they just came along, and they're like, yo, we got this. And I was like, all the right. The part where you are alone in the kind of like white void really struck me emotionally. I thought it was one of the best representatives of like how video games can put you in a new place to invoke symbolism and emotion. Like I was just really somber the whole time I was playing through that entire moment. And it's because they nailed how it felt. And I thought it was a really interesting turn of events for for the game because you have this like really epic standoff and all of a sudden you're like kind of facing the consequence of that standoff it definitely captured some of the visual representation of those feelings that Sora was having and us as an audience at the time right the only thing that I really was bugged by is the fact that that whole scene is kind of really sudden and shows up out of nowhere and then it just kind of like retcons itself I thought that the way it's paced was kind of awkward yeah that's true but everything else about it was kind of cool yeah I can agree with that I felt like some of the ending stuff happened very quickly, especially the fights with Xehanort. I felt like there could have been more there. And it's interesting you say that because like the final chapter, I started it at like 20 hours. And by the time I was done, it's like 28. So just the final chapter is like eight hours long with oh, all yeah, the, cu- sure. with, like, the cutscenes and the, and it still felt rushed because I'll agree with you. It feels rushed, but it's eight hours long. Yeah, I forgot. I'd, uh, I woke up. I was like, you know, I'm here. I'm ready to do the fight with Xehanort. I'll just wake up. I'll knock out the end of the game and then do some other stuff. And I ended up playing until Toast came home. Like, I was like, holy shit. It's not as cohesive as it could be. Right. I think that's the problem is these all these incidents and scenes kind of feel like they're separated. Just happening for the sake of happening rather than building up to various plot points. Yeah, that was a kind of a big criticism i remember seeing a lot of especially the cutscenes between worlds you're just like and and like kingdom hearts 2 they have you going back to a central location and you feel like things are happening in like a really cohesive like straightforward way like whereas in this one they just you see like mickey randomly like just kind of chilling it uh was it radiant garden and you're just like why was this happening why did this decide to happen now (laughs) and especially if you actually like do the like as someone who has done speedruns in the game where you start skipping around worlds in order to get certain items like the cutscenes like you see those cutscenes before you would think you're supposed to see them and you're just like this feels weird because like now all of a sudden the mickey stuff's happening before you finish this other world where this other stuff was like gonna happen and you're just like okay i guess uh, i don't know it just feels it just feels out of place kind of weird and disjointed a little bit that said i think that these cutscenes are some of the best that the series has had based on just like the angles that they use the way that characters speak some of the written lines are really well done but the way they're edited all together it is a little jarring and can feel really weird especially when some of them are very long my wife was watching me play and she's like are you playing this or watching it like what's going on here <laughs> yeah the- it's beautiful cinematography and composition there was a number of times where i was like wow that's a really well done shot the editing is where it falls short and i think that's true of all of the kingdom hearts games yeah the editing has never really been well paced for the cutscenes or the storytelling or the, like the game just in general but They've always been pretty cutting edge visually from the beginning. They have been. Like, I, yeah. like as an anime fan, I'm like, this is this is all fine. But then, like, a new cutscene hops up. I just put my controller down, grab a bag of popcorn, and I'm just chilling. It's like this is. <laughs> I'm okay with this, but yeah, they they get pretty long, but they're they're very well done. And I just feel like it's like I'm watching an anime over here now. 
this is no longer a video game. I understand that some people don't necessarily like they, they want to, you know, they play a video game. They want to be playing. But personally, I've got to this point where I'm just like, I'm enjoying every aspect of it. If you're going to give me these 10 minute long cutscenes, I'm just going to watch them and chill. And I'm, I'm OK with all of it. I know a lot of people were complaining by how just how many cutscenes there were in the game, like total of like 11 and a half or 12 hours or something like that. And I was like, is there any other way to wrap up 15 years of story with all the branches that it has? I mean, the comparison to other endings this year, Endgame is three hours long. And I got to say, I'm glad it's three hours long because if it had been shorter, I don't think it would have been as good. I'm not like I won't spoil anything, but I am I'm glad it's as long as it is because it's the only way to wrap up that much story. Well, a lot of people forget that Kingdom Hearts 2 actually had like more hours of cutscene. It did. Yeah. Their, their criticisms are like, it's like, yo, you know, Kingdom Hearts 2 had that same amount of cutscenes, right? I do agree with the amount of them, though, like in terms of how many you have to skip. Because like I, as a, as a speedrunner, I'm just over here like, all right, cutscene time. I'm going to skip four in a row. I just prefer if they were all like one big cutscene that skips at the same time. But that's just kind of a nitpick from a, a speedrunner perspective. Yeah. See, I hear all these arguments and I'm like, man, I can tell these people just really were not that into Metal Gear Solid. Because <laughs> Metal Gear Solid 4 is basically what Kingdom Hearts 3 is. It's just a really long cutscene. Yeah, it's the idea to me is that you are in the movie and you're playing the in-between. Yeah, my problem with Kingdom Hearts 3 and a lot of the other Kingdom Hearts games, actually, I think 2 did this a lot, is whenever you're given a cutscene, you walk five feet and you're given another cutscene. Oh, yeah. That's what bothers me the most. That's prevalent in a lot of games, and I'm just like, why did the game make me walk across this room? Oh, yeah, I've gotten so used to that now, like, when a cutscene ends and I'm standing there, I'm like, get into my inventory and do something. It's telling me to do something. This is my battle music that's not battle music. Now I'm going to take a couple steps and see what happens. And it happens all the time in Kingdom Hearts. And I think that this game in particular suffers from not only the fact that I think towards the end they were rushing a lot of things, but also the corporate meddling, I guess we could say, of Disney in this particular title. There are no Final Fantasy characters. I hope to see some in the DLC. That's one of my downsides. Lack of Final Fantasy characters. Yeah, it's entirely Disney. But the main level that we can really discern this from, and this is something that MatPat of Game Theory really pointed out, is the Frozen World. The Frozen World has the potential to be one of the coolest worlds in the game, but they actually ended up changing a lot of stuff around and making it to where it wasn't nearly as interesting. I think the main reason because of this is Square Enix was kind of working on an early version of Frozen, and in that version, Elsa was a villain. So they actually used Elsa as, like, the whole anchor point of the whole story, and she's supposed to turn into the big wolf heartless at the end. That would have been interesting. Yeah, because Frozen was originally, like, going to be a hand-drawn 2D animated film that was kind of dark for a slightly older audience. Pre-production was almost done, and Tangled had come out and did really, really well. And Disney came in and said, all right, change of plans. Frozen is now a 3D animated happy princess adventure where the main character is not a villain. And they changed everything because Tangled did so well, which I'm glad Tangled did well. So now basically because of Tangled, everything they do has been 3D in the same style. Like if you look at every movie they've done since Tangled, they all kind of look the same. Yeah. They have that similar style to character and such, the approach. Yeah, they're just beating that thing as a cash cow. And I think that's why Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse did so well is because it was so drastically different visually. We've never seen anything like that in animation before. And Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is going to change animation movies 
moving forward, I think. I really believe so as well. I think so too. That's a great film. I can't wait until video games are able to pull off some of the things they did animation-wise and visually that they did in Into the Spider-Verse. It's definitely possible. It's just getting somebody to do it, I think, is the big thing. Me and my roommate were joking around that Waluigi's first solo game should be done in that style. (laughs) I'd take it. Be done in that style and like a crazy acid trip. <laughs> well, just like the like, because they rewrote lighting engines so that they could accomplish the like comic book lighting style and like the high contrast. And I think that oh, would wow. look really cool in a video game. It'd just be a matter of integrating it into game engines or having to create one from the ground up in order to handle what they did. They also layered different frame rates. Some scenes are like the characters at 30 frames, but the um, stuff in the background is at 15, and that like juddering like contrast in frame rate is what creates such a distinct style that you're seeing on screen i like that and it makes me think of if they were to do like redo like an old spider-man game like the red cartridge the ultimate carnage i think it was oh yeah yeah that would that sounds like a perfect example for something like that but this is a kingdom hearts 3 podcast not a spider verse i just love that movie (laughs) regardless it's connected because disney owns marvel and disney's really involved in kingdom hearts now yeah but sony still owns Spider-Man license. They basically gave Marvel permission to use Spider-Man in the MCU. Yeah, it's it's a mess. The whole thing is a copyright disaster. Oh yeah. Yeah. But that's the the biggest like disappointment to me in Kingdom Hearts 3 is a couple of the levels definitely don't feel as good as they ought to. And I think with slight restructuring, Frozen could have been the best. I could see that. I think my least favorite world was Pirates. Mm, that one was probably my favorite to be honest with you. Just from a visual perspective. Pirates was one of my f- Okay, so Pirates Pirates was actually a casual favorite world, but when I started speedrunning it, I hated it. <laughs> I saw someone on Twitter mention that he compared the Frozen world to kind of obvious comparison Rapunzel's world or Tangled's world, and that it would have been awesome if we could actually go down to the castle town, kind of like how we did in Tangled's world. Oh, for and him. like all of these other things that would have been so amazing given the engine that we had. And I'm like, man, now that you mention it, like that mountain's kind of boring. Let's go down to the town and mingle with some people. I'll go into a little bit more detail as to my criticism of the Pirates level. Out of every level in Kingdom Hearts 2, Pirates 2 has aged the worst. And it's because it's based off of a live-action franchise. That's true. Everything else holds up pretty well, but Pirates 2 is straight-up bad visually. And I was surprised that they went back, especially with the fact that Pirates has not been a great franchise in recent years. So it doesn't have the same popularity it did when it came out in Kingdom Hearts 2. And so I was surprised to see it. And I think every character looks off. Like, they look like amateur cosplay. Like, they're still good amateur cosplay, but none of the characters really look like themselves. And certainly, none of them sound like themselves. They're all off. And just watching it, it just was kind of like, this does not feel as immersive of a world as any of the other levels because it's based off a live-action franchise. And story-wise, the Pirates level in Kingdom Hearts 3 is kind of a mess because the story in Pirates is kind of a mess. That's true, So it's really like this disjointed, just wreck of a plot line. Like, it really only highlights particular scenes. Like, you have the scene with the underworld, Davy Jones' locker with all the crabs, and then you have, like, the swirling vortex. Like, those all kind of played out really well in Kingdom Hearts. They just weren't connected as well as they could have been. I felt like it was lacking in that. I did like that they did multiple worlds in different things like monsters was after monsters that was cool. uh, yeah. pirates was during the events of pirates but in this case you were doing other stuff while all the events were happening and then like he's kind of showed up at the end or like hey i'm here guys yeah yeah i'm sora <laughs> i'm the main 
character. Now, nothing will make my heart feel better than seeing Sora just wanting to be a pirate and getting his own ship. That was adorable. That was. Yeah, like the costumes and stuff and like the visuals in the Pirates world are top notch environment wise and like everything until you get to the live action characters. But if I were to change it, I would say basically keep the level the same, tell a different story, but make it based off Moana. Moana would have been a very good choice. It would have felt a lot more like the rest of the worlds in that it's based off of an animated franchise. I had a hard time telling, like when I first saw some of the cutscenes in Tangled and Frozen Worlds, I thought they were literally just playing back sections of the movie. Yeah, they're very yeah, similar. Yeah. That's how good it was. I actually got copyrighted because of that in one of my YouTube videos. Nice. I think Disney copyrighted one of my uh, Tangled scenes because it was like almost uh, frame for frame the exact <laughs> copy of how the movie played out. So I think they could have kept that same level of immersion that the rest of the worlds have in terms of like looking like the original if the pirates level had been based off of Moana. I would have liked to see Moana. That's the thing, too, is most of the levels we're playing in Kingdom Hearts 3 are based off of 3D animated films. I hadn't noticed that until you just started talking about it. (laughs) Think about it. The only 2D one we go to is Olympus. And poo. I gotta put that animation degree to use somehow, right? I gotta observe. The, I gotta observe and see the things no one else does. I honestly did think that the pirates' inclusion was kind of odd, given how the reception of the movies was not amazing. Like I was, because like most of the movies they included were like really well received. Like you got Big Hero Six, Tangled, Frozen's like the most popular thing ever. But then you just got Pirates World, and you're like. Well, Pirates just recently dropped in popularity. Like, the hype between movies 2 and 3 were actually really, really high, and those movies did pretty well. Yeah, but Kingdom Hearts 3 is coming out after 2 flop. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the problem. So, that's what I was saying, is Pirates is not nearly as popular now as it was. And it's possible that the level was too far along in production to change it. Like, they just had to, like, all right, well, it's in here because we started working on it and had all these plans for this level, and now we have to just kind of keep it there even it took us too long to make the whole game in order to change this one level to match current trends. Now, see, in that case, I almost wouldn't mind them including it, but doing, like, some sort of quick something, not where you have your traditional playthrough of the world. We were talking about, like, four pages of the manga, and they were all all the way through Olympus. Just something where you go there, some shit happens, and it just has you not really need to be in the world. More of a bonus world. I think that smaller chunks of worlds could be really interesting and would add a lot of variety to the game. Yeah. Well, the other surprise, too, is of worlds to return to from one and two to three pirates was a strange one too because i feel like a lot of the other worlds people would have preferred to have gone back to and see more of oh for sure i, I can agree i'm still uh, mildly salty about no traverse town travis town would have been very cool yeah i would have loved to run around radiant garden no traverse town no nightmare nightmare there's a reason they didn't put in there was some sort of situation where Nomoro's like yeah you're not gonna see that anymore oh i didn't know that I was kind of disappointed by it too, but I was still pretty happy with the Monsters World as a stand-in yeah, for it. Yeah, the costume or the, the the costume change for Monsters is amazing, and probably in terms of integrating a world into the story, probably my favorite. Yeah. To be honest, Monsters is my least favorite level because it's like ninety percent hallways. <laughs> I enjoyed it. If nothing else, Monsters has one of my favorite scenes, and that's where Sully scares the shit out of Ventus and fucking chucks him through the door. Oh yeah. 
that, that's like the best scene of the whole game, man. He's like grabs him and he eats him through the door like it's nothing. And then proceeds to do that with the same door three or four times so you know he's just like lost. Yeah, it's like he's in a world gonna come use that doorway through darkness and it's like, good God, they like cut out like 17 paths. What the ah, fuck it? Yeah. I did like that they had included the... Because in previous games, most of the uh, Disney characters had not been involved in the overarching plot to that extent. And I was happy to see that they were like getting involved at least a little bit. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, and they match the villains up pretty well. That was yeah. that was one of the first signs that I was like, man, yeah, like the world's interacting with the other things, not just Sora. Yeah. That's true of the heroes. It's not true of the villains. There's a huge lack of the Disney villains that's this true. time around. Mm-hmm. That is true. Uh, that's a little disappointing. I think Davy Jones might be the only actual villain that we get to fight. Well, you get to fight the Titans, I guess, which are an extension. Yeah, well, the, yeah. the Titans. I was happy about one thing, and that there was no damn Captain Hook in this game. <laughs> oh, I hate Captain Hook. He's in everything. He's always like needlessly hard i guess i don't recall him being that hard there's a couple like roadblocks i run into in kingdom hearts and for some reason it was always somewhere next to captain hook i just thought he was fucking annoying like he i thought he was fine like in one or two but like eh, afterwards it was just like too much like get away Go away, stop. So I guess we're kind of all over the place with uh, talking about kind of our likes and dislikes, but I guess the main question that I have for each of you is, do you think that Kingdom Hearts 3 is a satisfying end to the series? Yes. I I would say yeah. Yeah, I'll agree. I finished it and was relieved, and that's the sign that something was right. Well, like what we were saying earlier, it's a very character interaction driven series. And so throughout the course of the series, we've had all of these characters be separated. You can't help but cheer when you see characters reunited for the first time in multiple games because they've been searching for each other for so long. It's true. I was really impressed with Sora and Ventus meeting. Sewer realizing that Ventus looks just like him and him being kind of freaked out by that. I definitely want to see more of Roxas, Axel, and and Xion. I think more than anything in this franchise. And that's weird because when Roxas was first introduced in Kingdom Hearts 2, I hated him. I was like, (laughs) this is not Sora. His whole section's really boring. But now that I've played through all these games and it gives Roxas, like, a lot more character, I think he's the most interesting of the entire cast. Honestly, like, after, like, kind of rewatching some of the older games be played, Roxas just kind of, I just always felt really bad whenever he was on screen. Especially, like, towards the end of the Twilight Town section in King Hearts 2 where he's just like I'm not a real person I'm just a part of someone else like what have I been doing this whole time making friends and then like he starts remembering his friends and I'm just like no don't do this to me I, I can't handle this right now I'm, <laughs> I'm too emotionally compromised <laughs> just go back to being happy go lucky Kingdom Hearts Disney I'm not ready for the feels <laughs> but I think that would be a really interesting next step for the franchise is okay now that we've kind of concluded Sora's story even though he kind of like takes off at the end and who knows where he went to <laughs> like we could tell that story we could tell some just like new adventures with roxas and the gang i think would be really fun yeah and then we've got this whole like what is the name of the character yozura thing going on yozura yeah i think a secret cutscene has them like in shibuya or something oh yeah so people yeah. are speculating a bunch of stuff about that and honestly like i i kind of wanted that conclusion with sora i just wanted my boy to be happy because he's just been going through a whole heck of skew of just crap and i, I just wanted him to be happy at the end of this. I kind of hate 
hate that it's really bittersweet and kind of ambiguous at the end. Because for me, this game is mostly satisfactory. And I think that it, I could feel more of that once there's some extra context given via DLC or, you know, whatever. Yeah, if they just kind of went over some of the story, how things happened with regard to some of the Shion stuff, because, like, she just comes out of nowhere, honestly. This is really cute, and I, I, I'm all for this, but I do want to know how the hell you got there. But, like, towards the end, for me, like, you get the cutscenes one after the other. Everybody's all happy. You got, like, the whole crew up on the, the clock tower just kind of chilling with some ice cream. And I'm like, this is, this is really nice. And then you, you get them playing on the beach. Everything's going nice everything's going smooth and you, uh, you get the Kyrie, and then she starts crying and I'm like alright you can't do this man not to my boy Sora he's been carrying you guys throughout this entire game and you just gotta do him dirty like that at the end when everybody else is happy I wasn't a big fan of that but like I hope they do manage to uh, figure out something for Sora to have it, whatever they decide to do with like DLC or new game I guess I took it a slightly different like I was kind of like ah, that's kind of sad but at the same time this whole journey has been about Sora saving his friends and he successfully did that and he knew what he was doing and so he did it because that was his goal all along and i was a little taken aback when they kind of retconned the choice with the secret ending cutscene. i was like all right well that didn't mean anything so they just left it open for anything to happen now rather than sticking to their guns a little bit I think it would have been really interesting if Sora were to just completely disconnect from the story. If he had died, or if he had done some sort of self-sacrifice, I think that would have wrapped up really, really well. Yeah, I think the self-sacrifice would have been more satisfying than making it look like he self-sacrificed, but no, really, he's just somewhere else. We're not going to tell you where, though. I took it as a type of self-sacrifice to me, because he's warned throughout, especially throughout three, multiple, multiple times, you cannot use your power of waking to go find things like this is bad and it carries consequences yeah i can kind of agree with in that regard but uh with like how they just kind of said yeah he's still alive i would have been like completely fine with if, the, if that's how they wrapped it up i would have been immensely sad i just wanted Sora to be happy <laughs> I would have enjoyed either more straight-up ambiguity or more actual closure. This, like, yeah, kind of yeah. wish-washy back and forth I wasn't a big this fan This ambiguous of. ambiguity. That's not a word. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I like it. it. And, I mean, this new DLC might open up some room to fill in the blanks that they couldn't fill in when they're rushing that ending. Yeah, I think with a bit of tweaking and, like, a final mix, maybe, this could be a really stellar release. But it would take a lot of these really major decisions, like messing with the way scenes happen in Frozen and really altering the, like, last chapter. I'd honestly like them to wrap up the Sora, Kairi, Riku stuff and kind of move on to, like, new characters. Yeah. Because, like, they did really well. Like, Birth by Sleep, like, character-wise, was very successful. So, like, they have those designs up there. Like, they could easily come up with some new characters to throw into, the you know, a new plot. They don't have to keep relying on these three moving forward. And I think it would give people an opportunity to experience Kingdom Hearts fresh. Because so many, you know, Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out and so many people were like what is this yeah but if they started with new characters a fresh story people could still experience kingdom hearts you know playing a character through the various disney worlds with some sort of interconnected overarching plot that loosely connects everything to a whole new generation of gamers it could be their first step into experiencing that and i think overall we can all appreciate the kingdom hearts as a series is very special it's got that lighthearted approach it's all about finding inner strength and there's a lot to appreciate in this 
video game franchise that I definitely want to see explored a little further. I don't think this is the last we've seen of Kingdom Hearts, and it's just a matter of time before something comparable, it, whether it's a new series entirely, or something that kind of carries that name gets made. If not by the original developers, indie developers will pick up this idea in time. That's really all the time we have for this particular episode, and I would definitely love to revisit this once the whatever version comes out or the DLC comes out. So for today's episode, I really want to thank you guys for coming on and chatting with us. And if we wanted to find your stuff, where could we find it? Devin, we'll start with you, man. Twitch.tv slash are pretty much the most active thing that I'm doing right now. I have a, a YouTube channel as well, YouTube slash Rackamdar, and I'm mildly active on Twitter. Twitter slash Rackamdar. I don't post as much on YouTube as I would like to, but if you want to see my stream, feel free to come in. Excellent. Joseph, you, my man. I think I mentioned it at the top of the episode, but on Twitch, DaddyGamerYT, and then on YouTube, it's YouTube slash DaddyGamerReviews, and if you want to hit me up on Twitter, it's at TheDaddyGamer. But do you mind if I ask a final question to kind of close things out? Go for it. Just quickly, if for DLC World, what would you like added to the game? Alexandria, Final Fantasy IX. Oh, yes. That's a big ask. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, a, a Final Fantasy anything. Yeah. Hollow Bastion returning would be a good... I, I just want Traverse Town, man. I love that world. <laughs> <laughs> that would be very cool to see an entire, like, this is an open world Traverse Town. This is the entire DLC. It's massive. That would be really cool. To pick a more specific location within an entire other universe, the Cantina on Tatooine from Star Wars. That would be very cool. Yeah, some Star Wars action would be great. Some Marvel action would be great. There's a lot the we can do The Keyblade is begging to be a lightsaber. It really <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> All right, Squiz, where can we find you? You can find me on pretty much anything. It's going to be just Exquisite Liar, all one word, with exception of Twitter, where bot's still sitting on my name, and it is Exquisite underscore Liar there. Perfect. And of course, I am always locatable under Forever Classic 105 over on Twitch. You can also find that same kind of idea over on Twitter, but instead of FOR, use the number four. We also have ForeverClassicGames.com, which is our kind of hub for posting any sort of articles, reviews, anything really that we're doing. Of course, if you're listening to this podcast, then you know you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere else you may want to listen to us. Just let us know and we'll get on there. If you want to send us an email, theforeverclassicpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear your questions, criticisms, and really anything. Just get in touch with us. And it's been definitely a really fun ride and we're going to continue making some stuff. And we're having a great time doing it. So thank you everybody for listening to this very special Kingdom Hearts 3 episode. And as always, stay Stay cool.